Hi, welcome to Reenacted and Unsolved Mysteries podcast, extra special spooky edition. We are going to do a Halloween mini-sode where we don't actually watch and then review an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. We're just going to talk about our own Unsolved Mysteries and hopefully get a little spooky with you. Um, my co-host, I'm Crystal, my co-host Robbie is also going to be enjoying some delicious Halloween treats while we, we tell our stories. Robbie, do you want to tell us what you got over there? Uh, yeah, um, I, I had some. Tr- I had to find a bag of candy that had the right combination of candies I liked. Yes, it was, it was a pretty trying experience uh, in, in in the grocery store because I'm like, uh, I don't like almond joys. That's out. Oh, that's too bad. I could I could have eaten those. Oh shit. Um, okay, well, what I did find was, and this is actually a very, very cool uh, bag. It's, um, it's got mostly uh, Twix, uh, Snickers, Milky mm-hmm. Way, and Three Musketeers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've taken a picture of this. Uh, there, uh, this stuff's dumped out in one of my Civil War cast iron uh, frying pans, and uh, actually. Well, the picture that I'm going to upload on Twitter is not what's in this bowl because I actually ate all that candy last night as I was afraid <laughs> I would. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's not your fault. I had weak willpower and, and couldn't uh, resist holding on one more day. To, so, But this is the exact same size of bag and type of candy. And it's actually kind of neat because... There is definitely a, uh, if not Halloween, fall theme to it. Like, the Twix, the Three Musketeers, and the Milky Way all have, like, little leaf imprints on them, uh, or or patterns. And Mm -hmm. the Snickers are really interesting, because they have, on one side it says Snickers, but on another we have um, all sorts of fall-related activities. I got Harvest, Hayrides... Um, leaves, you know, stuff like that, written in the the Snickers font. So, um, as per your your request, as I rip open and eat these, I'm going to name each candy I'm eating. Um, I I, I mean, I, I assume you'll just ignore me while you're talking about your whatever, mm-hmm. and I'm just like Twix, Twix, Milky Way, Three Musketeers. You're just gonna ignore that, right? I'm not going to interrupt our flow. No, no, just just shout it out as you're okay. going. Okay. And they, that, that way our, our listeners can uh, become concerned about how quickly I'm shoving all this candy into my mouth. So do you want to uh, hit us, uh, start us off with your spooky Halloween uh, paranormal scary story, whatever it is? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, Quick. S- so the story I'm about to tell probably won't sound true or like it happened to me, but I guarantee you that this did happen to me. And I've so far only told this story to my closest friends. And I think out of them, not many of them have heard it. So this is a reenacted exclusive. Um, no just if, if you haven't listened to an episode before, please, please do that. But um it, yeah th- this episode's format is nothing like no, this is not the regular style of our show but 
Uh, I, I think you may have picked up, if you have listened to an episode before, if you know me personally, which is probably most of our audience, and thank you for listening, uh, you know that I'm a very skeptical, um, very uh, reason-based, very science-based type person. Um, I like to describe myself as living uh, an evidence-based lifestyle, um, which <laughs> current events notwithstanding seems to be uh, sort of an alternative lifestyle this day. So um, <laughs> I'm so, you know, bear that in mind Thanks. as I'm, I'm telling this story. So here we go. Um, I can only describe what happened on the evening of November 1st, 2003 as an unexplained occurrence. I'm going to be very specific with names and places in this story so that it can be ver verified. I've not exaggerated or embellished any de details in the following account. It is 100% true, and it happened to me. I worked as a security guard for about a year and a half in college. That would make me about 19 years old when this thing takes place. Uh, the night of, I hadn't taken any drugs. I hadn't been drinking. I had had plenty of sleep the night before. I was possibly more lucid that night than I have been in the years since. I was assigned to work the swing shift. For those of you who've never worked that, that's 4 p.m. to midnight at the Reno Sparks Convention Center. Our security firm was regularly hired as auxiliary security at casinos and other venues. The convention center is a massive building on a main street in Reno, Nevada. My company was hired to watch AV equipment for a convention while the attendees were not there. My role that evening was supervisor. Basically, all that meant was that I relieved my two other co-workers on shift for their lunch. This was a very typical assignment as there was not much to do. Just hang out, read a book, call the cops if anyone breaks into the building. Robbie, have you gone already through like five pieces of candy? I can't. I, can. um, I see nine wrappers on my desktop. <laughs> uh, you got it. I can barely hear you shouting it. So, you know, okay. don't, uh, don't be afraid to be abrupt. This is okay. this is a critical part of the show. Anyways, uh, back to the story. So so the idea was that you just hang out, you read a book, you call the cops if anyone breaks into the building. I had been instructed by my coworkers, whom my team was relieving, to post someone in the Mount Rose Ballroom and exhibit Hall A. I was to float between the two posts. Again, simple and nothing out of the ordinary. A security guard that was an actual employee of the convention center gave me a situation, situation report, that's a sit rep, of how the lights and the locks worked in the two areas we were supposed to watch. All of the convention attendees and cleaning staff had left the building by 6 p.m. My coworkers and I did not have keys and had no access to other parts of the building, and this is a very important detail. I asked a female coworker to begin her shift by posting up the Mount Rose Ballroom with all the AV equipment, and I would post in Exhibit Hall A. She left and returned a few minutes later, telling me all the doors to the ballroom are locked and she can't get inside. Three musketeers. I can't remember if I checked by myself if the doors were indeed locked. The convention center security guard was still in the building, making his final checks before leaving for the night, so I radio him to come unlock the ballroom. Three musketeers. We walk over together and find that most of the doors to the ballroom are unlocked and the lights have been left on. I keep telling the cleaning people, he mutters. I assume my coworker was Another a lazy. <laughs> I assume my coworker was a lazy idiot. The security guard locks all the doors. The only way we could get into the room now was to be let in by someone from the inside. I have my male coworker go sit in the room instead. Snickers leaves. So, 
This is not spooky. I keep laughing. Uh, several hours later, I was sitting with my male co-worker inside the ballroom. It is a huge room which has no doors leading to the street outside. It has doors on three walls that open only to the main hall of the convention center. As I had said before, they were all locked and could only be opened from the inside. By about 8 p.m., there were three of us left in the building, as confirmed by the staff security guard. My female co-worker, my male co-worker, and myself. At the front of the ballroom was a low stage that is piled high with AV equipment. There were many rows of plastic chairs as if for an audience. My co-worker and I were sitting in a row towards the back of the room, turned to face each other. I was turned towards my right, and we were chatting about his wife. This was approximately at 9 p.m. Out of the left side of my field of vision, I suddenly saw a man emerge from behind the AV equipment. He was no taller than about 5 foot 8, olive skin, black hair, mustached, he was wearing a white or light yellow polo shirt and dark slacks. Three musketeers. He moved from right to left across the room, from the stage to an alcove of one of the many sets of doors. He disappeared as quickly as he had appeared. I heard no sound of the doors closing behind him. If he had been a convention attendee, he would have been had to have been hiding during the security guard's rounds and been locked in the room for several hours already. I asked my co-worker, did you just see that? My coworker looked genuinely confused and said he didn't see anything. I shrugged it off and relieved him for his lunch. I sat in the room by myself for the duration of his break, feeling only a little uncomfortable. The coworker came back a half an hour later and locked on the locked door to be let in. I let him back in the room and we went and went to go break my female coworker in exhibit hall A for her lunch. I didn't tell anyone what I had seen that night, not even my boyfriend at the time, and not even my mother. Several weeks later, I was working another gig at the then Reno Hilton. It was another convention and I was checking badges at the main entrance with a different, unrelated co-worker to the first story. His name was Bill. Bill said to me, so I haven't seen you around in a long time. Where have, where have they had you working? And I said, I've been over at the convention center a lot. Bill says, apropos of nothing. Oh yeah, that's a pretty good place to work. You know the convention center is haunted. Me, skeptical as always, and knowing that most guys are full of it. No, I didn't know that. Bill, oh yeah, they've had people quit because they got so freaked out. Okay, One time, a couple of convention staffers were driving around their Gator, which is an ATV-type vehicle used to get around the massive building, after closing, and they saw a man just standing in the middle of the hallway. They told him to get out of the way and just drove right through him. Oh, and then another time, the cleaning staff had just vacuumed the carpet in an area and came back five minutes later to find all these little pieces of torn paper on the ground. They even had the police called recently because a cleaning staffer saw a man climbing down from the catwalks in the exhibit hall A after they had cleared the building. When the police showed up, no one else was in the building with her. That woman quit. Twigs. I was chilled to the bone. Bill, I said. I saw a man in the ballroom appear from nowhere after we locked it up. The only way to get in was to be let in. He had walked from the stage into a door alcove and disappeared. I recounted then to Bill what the man had looked like. I told him about the mysteriously locked and unlocked doors the security guard and I had found. Bill laughed. You met no, Oscar. People. Oscar who liked to play tricks on staff. Oscar who was a tech that died of a heart attack at the convention center back when it was much smaller and it was called the Coliseum. Oscar who loved his job and was a nice man. Over the years, I've tried to corroborate what I saw in Bill's tale. The end. Uh, 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 Are you okay? 
Yeah, so, um, I'm probably more than halfway through this candy. Uh-huh. And I'm beginning to think this wasn't such a great idea. Well, you realize it wasn't a race. You didn't have to eat all of the candy. No, I mean, oh, it was just like six super. I, uh, I, I sure hope that like our audience has heard all these rappers and me saying candy. Otherwise, this this will have all been for naught, right? Oh. Well, I mean, it, I I hope that you were enjoying the candy as you were eating it. Um, there was definitely a diminishing returns. Do you uh, do you want to? Well, what's the body count there? Um, you know, we got like 15 wrappers at least stuffed into this um, mm -hmm. pan. But, you know, I, I, I just need a second wind. Uh, I'm going to down some milk. Okay. And, you know, talk about to talk about that thing you totally saw. Well, I, I did. And that, was, that was the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's actually like, you know, normally when someone tells me about seeing a ghost... I, my first instinct is just to think bullshit, but I actually believe uh, because you've told me this before, mm -hmm. and I actually believe it mostly because you're so fucking skeptical that you're like, <laughs> you're like, no, that wasn't a ghost, and you start talking about you know possible electromagnetic imprints of the past events or yeah, stuff? Yeah, I mean, I don't... All these years later, I can't... I can't even really speculate on what it is that I saw. But you'll notice I did not use the word ghost. Right. One time. I, I noticed because, that. You know why? Because ghosts aren't real. So... That just gets into my... <laughs> you know, so much that, like, you see... You see what what seems to be a ghost, and you're like, no, ghosts aren't real. Like, I mean, you are you are more inclined to disbelieve in ghosts after having seen them than that than those ghost hunting people back on the Queen Mary were. <laughs> um, yeah, the you know with 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 all with how all they had was just an audio recording of a janitor filling his water bucket and then someone telling them to get out of that part of the ship. Um, but yeah, no, I think I, I do appreciate you sharing this, uh, with our audience. Cause I know this is something you typically don't circulate around. Um, I mean, shucks, we knew each other like seven years before you told me this story. Um, so I, uh, you know, it's, do you think do you think it's more spooky the fact that you didn't realize that it was something not normal at the time so much? I mean, obviously you kind of you know had a the thought like what the heck did I see? But I, I mean, it, you know, it wasn't until like well, was it like weeks later that someone was like, oh, yeah, that was a it was it was it was several weeks later, and I didn't that thing happened, and I didn't think twice about it, and I was surprised that I even remembered. It happening it was such a non-event um other than doors being locked and unlocked and that it, it being kind of an odd night but i didn't really nothing really stuck out and it really was we weeks later when i was just shooting the ship with another co-worker where he was like flat out three musketeers uh <laughs> second wind <laughs> here we go where he was like flat out um without me even hinting that i'd seen anything weird 
that um, that in fact the convention center was haunted. I looked into this actually a little bit more to see if I could corroborate the story. The only thing that I found was a local. Uh, maybe she wasn't even local, but some sort of northern Stickers. Nevada ghost story writer who who wrote a blurb in one of her books about Oscar at the convention center. So it it's hyper local. It's a hyper local legend. Right. And I right. I don't imagine anybody from Reno unless they'd had continuous interactions at the convention center um, would would know about it or have heard about it. So anyway, well, that- this is an, an Oscar related thing, but uh, I did have um, a uh, experience at the convention center this last summer. Yes. This past summer that uh, the term, the, the word ghost was used, but it was actually in conjunction with uh, the term ghost town mm-hmm. Uh, in describing my Civil War Club had a recruitment booth at this event. I won't name the event, um, but it was a very sadly um, underattended thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my club's resolved never to go back because there were so few people that came to came out to the convention center that it was almost like a ghost town. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, so that, that's your contribution to, to our spooky... That's, that's my Halloween story, so it's your turn. Yeah, I... I don't, sorry, sorry listeners, I don't have any candy over here. (laughs) So, I, I know we've kept up the illusion for quite a while that Robbie and I are always in the same room when we're recording this, (laughs) but in fact we are not, so I don't, I don't get to take over candy duties, unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, I, I could just shout names of candy that I like. Ah, uh, okay. Well, that spares me from the double duty of uh, ha- having to eat. Um, okay. eat this well, I'll while just, talking. I'll just interject with names of candy that I like while you're talking. Okay. Okay. Um, my, um, I have definitely not experienced anything I would consider supernatural, but there was, um, a couple of incidents in my life that at the time I thought were supernatural, uh, though. Rocky Road. After later research, I discovered that they're just, you know, typical uh, medically explainable things. Um, several years ago, I watched I watched the movie um, Juon, which is a Japanese horror movie that uh, uh, was later reimagined as the film The Grudge here in the United States. And uh, I was what. After watching this film, which I mean, it wasn't particularly like it wasn't a film that necessarily had my heart beating or was any scary while I was watching it. However, when I went to bed, at some point I woke up and I felt the pressure of like these hands pushing down on my chest, Mm. like pinning me, pinning me down to the bed. I couldn't get up and there was like this dark um shadow uh right above me and i had like i mean i i i I thought i sensed just like this malevolent presence i I mean it sounds like you had the the witch was writing you yeah uh 
Is that like a sex metaphor or? Uh, kind of is. Do you want me to oh. interrupt and do a little hist- historical stuff? Uh, uh, is this will this this historical stuff be something we can use in a, as an excuse to do millennial catch up, or is this just <laughs> no? I don't. I don't. Ha- no, this well, is a pretty pretty universal experience to this day. Where you, where um, in folklore and and all over the world, there's been different ways of describing s- sleep paralysis, which is exactly what you just described. Feeling like yep. somebody's pushing you down because you can't move. Um, sleep paralysis, by the way, has has no supernatural explanation. It's just there's a mechanism in your body when you're falling asleep or coming up out of sleep. If you become conscious before your um, body comes online, is or if you become conscious before your body comes online, it'll feel like you're paralyzed. Um, it's the thing that your brain does essentially, so you don't get up and move around and sleepwalk. So. When you're sleepwalking, that mechanism isn't working. Where you, your brain is asleep, but your but your body is not turned off. So sleep paralysis would be the opposite of that. Um, but every but almost every culture in the world has some description for having that uh, feeling like you can't move, having that malevolent presence, having that dark shadow. So um, in a, in a lot of cultures, it's called having the witch riding you. So the witch, which is this dark presence, is sitting on your, sitting on your, you know, stomach and pushing your chest down. Um, well, this this was definitely not as hot as that. But <laughs> well, um, and if you if you if you Google that or you Google like old hag, that's another term <laughs> for it. Um, you'll find a picture of me. But then the next <laughs> result will be you'll see all kinds of illustrations of of what I just described. Okay, well, I'm definitely totally going to do that after <laughs> uh, our double feature. But, um, yeah, so, you know, I I tried to rationalize it uh, mm-hmm. the next morning, like, well, maybe that was a nightmare. But mm-hmm. the thing was, is it was, like, so vividly, like, real. I mean, I was looking at, I, I, I saw my room. Um, Nestle Crunch Bar. And... Here's here's the thing that like began to make me think that this was actually like a supernatural occurrence mm-hmm. was that several months later I watched the movie The Grudge which yes. is you know, the the americanized version of Juon. Yep. And the exact same experience happened to me. You know what's re- strange though um the night after I saw The Ring in the theater I had the same thing happen. Wow. Okay. So let let me add in another layer. After I saw, I saw watched Juon two, mm-hmm. the same thing happened again. What is what is it about Japanese horror movies that induces sleep paralysis? It's like a nightmarish version of that cartoon that was Japanese cartoon that was giving kids seizures. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's well, that's spooky in and of itself. That we had similar experiences after watching. Japanese or Japanese-inspired horror movies. Yeah, wow. Um, I didn't. I didn't experience the same thing after watching The Grudge Two, and also I didn't experience it after watching Juon Three. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's like my brain subconscious commentary on the the quality of those films or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that was my. That was the closest I've had to a supernatural experience. I mean, it, it obviously it wasn't, but it sure felt like it at the time. Um, 
And it was probably like the scare, you know, spookiest thing that happened to me. You know, that was scary in a, you know, way that wasn't just fear of crime or whatnot. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I, I, and then, and then I, I have a list here of three other things that were kind of spooky in my childhood. One, I had a dream involving Robert Stack uh, walking out. I was in a dark mansion. Um, a dark uh, abandoned mansion. If you've ever played the ghost house levels on Super Mario World or the ghost track on Super Mario Kart, uh, basically that, but you know, in the form of a conventional mansion. And for some reason, instead of running right out of this mansion I found myself in, I walked upstairs and I started walking down the hallway and I heard this noise and I turned around and slowly emerging out of one of the, the the rooms. And, you know, up to this point, this dream is really scary. Um, but I was somewhat to really relieved to see that the person emerging out of one of the rooms was Robert Stack. Hmm. Uh, trench coat and all. He kind of walked, like, you know, straight out of the room with him being in view profile-wise. Then he stops and he rotates and he turns to me and he says, you know, some variation of join us for another edition of Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> and that's where my dream ends. Um, it was, uh, it was, it was probably one of, obviously one of my most memorable dreams because this was from when I was like six or something. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What's item, yeah. what's item number two? Um, my spookiest Halloween trick-or-treating experience. Sour Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids. Oh, man. I should have gotten some of those. I probably would have been able to down them better. <laughs> I'm running out of candies that I know that I like, so I'm, okay. just, I'm uh, sorry well, for the I just have the, these two quick things. Okay. Uh, they're, 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 you know, as short, if not shorter, than Robert Stack Dream. Okay. Uh, um, when I, when I was like four or five or whatever, my mom took me trick-or-treating in Carson City. And there was one house where, like, it was really decked out. And uh, whoever answered the door, like, I mean, he seemed to, like, in my memories, it seemed like he emerged from, like, some sort of smoky abyss. And he was wearing the most terrifying skeletal demon costume ever. And my mother insists that I didn't even raise my pail to to get the candy. I swear I did, but I, it must have been pretty pretty timid effort because God, I was like standing in front of that guy for like ten minutes, ten seconds, uh, probably five seconds. Um, that was that was definitely something that stuck out of my memory. And then uh, third. Um, I don't know if you watched much World Wrestling Federation when you were a kid. I didn't, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Um, or World Wrestling Entertainment now, I guess. World Wildlife Foundation or Federation or whatever got them to change the name. But um, when I was a kid, they introduced this new wrestler character. And I, I imagine you've at least heard this name, uh, you know, just even on TV advertisements. It's called The Undertaker. Of no. course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and he was, 
Yeah, he was actually one of the wrestlers that fascinated me the most. I wouldn't say I was ever like necessarily scared of him, but he had such a spooky atmosphere about him because he was all dressed in black with a black wide-rimmed hat. Uh, he'd enter with this incredibly eerie entry music. Um, it was sort of implied that he was actually dead, like he was a resurrected uh, wrestler. And you got the feeling that when he went into the ring, he wasn't just going in there to, like, beat other wrestlers. He was there to, like, steal their souls or something. So those are my spookiest memories. Those aren't as spooky as I thought they might be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, well, that was our uh, Halloween mini-sode of Reenacted. So uh, join us again for a for a regular style episode where we review an episode of Unsolved Mysteries as hosted by Robert Stack. Robbie, do you have any want to say anything before we uh, end this here? Um, be sh- uh, uh, be sure to like us on whatever social media that you use and we're on. Follow us on Twitter, uh, iTunes, Google Play. Yes, write us a review, please, if you like what we're doing. Or, yes, review. Or tell us to go to hell. Spooky yes. hell. Yes. Happy, <laughs> happy Halloween, you guys. Bye. Bye.